Welcome to Comics Quest, where we pave the road for those who want to get into comics but don't know where to start. I am your host, JD, and today, oh dear listener, today I have uh, such a wonderful guest. He's a wonderful soul, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I can't wait for, to talk to him about the comic that we're t- reading. It's uh, I have here with me Nick Wolf. Oh, you're too kind. I am never too kind. I am always, I'm always, uh, not kind enough, unfortunately. I'm just gonna drink my drink. So, Nick, uh, what what did we read this time? Uh, we read a classic of a good time. We read DC: The New Frontier by one Darwin Cook. All right. Yeah. yeah. Written and drawn by Darwin Cook with colors by maybe the best colorist in the business, Dave Stewart. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so this was your this was your first read of it, right? Yeah, it was my first read of it. I, I technically bought the whole thing on Comicsology a few years ago, and I tried reading it on my phone, and I was just not having it, and I never got back into it until now when I write it on DC Universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that it's on a, on a streaming service, so you can, it's like, ah, oh, I'll get to it now. Yeah, so... What, 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 so, I'm, I'm assuming you heard about this uh, before, before reading it, of course. Oh, yeah. So, what were, uh, what did you know about it going into it? Well, um, well, I remember, I remember seeing it at my uh, high school library back when that was a concern, but I, I couldn't really get into it because I think it, I think it was the point of, point of my life where I was only interested in like the big seven or so of the Justice League, so I didn't really interest me. It's like I don't want to know about these other characters when now. All I want to know about is the other characters because that seems like those are the <laughs> yeah. only properties that are going to get adapted these days. Yeah, I mean, because like right now, uh, you know, the movies that we're most excited for are like James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, <laughs> and and you know, the best DC movies lately have been an Aquaman movie and a Captain Marvel movie, so. That's a uh, yeah. That is, that is going to be confusing because I made my piece with okay. Captain Marvel Shazam a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so did you know going into this that this was set uh, like like right before the Kennedy administration? So this was like uh, during both Truman and Eisenhower. Like like in the late like in the late fifties, right be- right before Kennedy took office. Well, I I watched I'm, I know I watched the anim- the animated movie version before I read it fully. So yeah. <laughs> okay. So we can talk about the <laughs> yeah, animated I, version later on. Yeah, I. I kind of like like the animated movie, which we might yeah. touch touch on more later. Um, I think it's fine. I think it's just a, a, a like an oversimplification of what Darwin Cook did oh, with the comic. Definitely. 
because of course you have this this book is it's a six issue miniseries but each issue was roughly like 65 mm-hmm. 68 pages it was like yeah. a, a big prestige series I mean my trade is you know it, it's gi- it's gigantic even though it's only six issues you have the absolute um, edition which is like a hundred dollars no yeah, uh no. i don't do that <laughs> <laughs> no because unfortunately uh the absolute editions are kind of hard to read uh I, i'm all about they're too big yeah that's why i try to refrain from buying omnibuses uh unfortunately sometimes that's all that's available um like i have several grant morrison omnibuses uh because a lot of their comics are just really really long so like there's seven soldiers and new x-men there's there's a an omnibus of the invisibles and it's i mean that book is almost 60 issues i think the only i don't want i think the only grant i don't want that i think the only grant morrison's uh, morrison stuff i have on my shelf are the two wonder woman earth one books those would be fun to read uh when wonder woman 84 finally comes out yeah oh oh wow the way they did that um so volume three comes out which is gonna like finish off the trilogy comes out i think april of next year Ah, either april or may next year and i'm really excited excited because i've read the first i read the first volume i haven't read the second yet i have and i also have both of them um and he his approach or i'm sorry their approach uh yeah their approach to um to wonder woman is basically just exactly how william moulton marston created the character (laughs) And created that the world and the the you know the yeah the world of the mascara. It's really interesting. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting close to you, Steve Trevor. Here, wear these handcuffs as a sign of trust. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's it's loving submission as as it's loving put. submission is that what they're calling it nowadays? Loving submission. <laughs> yeah, that will well uh, as it's as we all know, William Moulton Marston mm-hmm. along with his wife. And uh, and their lover mm-hmm. Olive Byrne, uh, were all into BDSM. Yeah. And hey, I, more power I watched to Professor him. Marston and the Wonder Woman when it came out. I did not. I still <laughs> haven't seen it. I've heard it's good. It's good. It's really. I good. want. I want to, because uh, I I love Luke Evans and I love Rebecca Hall. Um, I'm not familiar with the actor who plays Olive Byrne. Not totally familiar with her. Um. But I love Luke Evans and Rebecca Hall, and I will always support them. And I've, I remember, um, we mentioned Parade. I mentioned Parade earlier before recording. That uh, he, I remember he actually said that uh, if we don't get a Freddie Mercury movie directed by Angela Robinson, who directed uh, Mr. Marson and the Wonder Woman, then there is no justice in the world. <laughs> and. Honestly, I might agree. Even though I have not seen this movie, I would. I'm inclined to agree with this take. Oh, well, maybe, so. maybe once we're done recording, you hop on Amazon and watch it. I might have to. Why is that movie to. not on DC Universe? What's wrong with that movie? Yeah. <laughs> why isn't it? I think it's on Hulu, actually. Oh, cool. Which is so weird because that's owned by Disney. <laughs> 
Oh man, this oh god, fucking Disney. Okay, I'm not gonna get into Disney shit. Anyway, no, we're not talking about Marvel. We're talking about not yet. Anymore. DC. We're talking about yeah, not yet. Uh, later, we're talking about the New Frontier. Uh, as as former President Kennedy put it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the basic so basically the the setup of this comic for those of you listening who haven't read it yet. Uh, the basic setup of the comic is it takes place, it starts, I believe, uh, like the prologue starts in, uh, during World War II, and we oh, yeah. encounter, uh, yeah, I've this heard... group of, so, it may... sorry, sorry, what? Sorry, it's, it's, it's because I watched the movie verse, but I, I always forget that, that the, the losers, uh, prologue is there. Because yeah. I always think I which, always think I, which, of the story starting off with uh, Hal Jordan being shot down in Korea, but that's not how it starts. It starts with the losers no, trying to recruit um, to rescue Rick Flag from Dinosaur Island. Yes, which is a great. It's a great opening. It's a. I think it's a perfect opening. Um, but it starts there in World War II, and we move throughout the nineteen throughout the mostly throughout the nineteen fifties. Uh, and we encounter several uh, prominent DC characters. The three that we, or actually, really the two that we follow the most are Hal Jordan, who will uh, by the end becomes Green Lantern, and Jean Jones, who mm-hmm. by the end becomes Martian Manhunter. We also follow follow Barry Allen, who you know already at the beginning is, or uh, not at the beginning, but like. His uh, origin is like, recapped in like a bit of narration. Yeah, it's like a quarter of the way through he becomes the Flash. Uh like he actually becomes the Flash in the year that that was that that it was first published. He was he was first published and it was like nineteen fifty six, I believe. That sounds about right. right. Yeah. And uh we we follow Barry Allen quite a bit, but Really, the, I would say the heart of the story, the two that we follow the most are Hal and John Jones. Mm-hmm. And we are introduced to, you know, dozens upon dozens of other characters because we already mentioned Rick Flagg. We have um, Carol Ferris, Rick, uh, King Faraday. Uh, of course, we have Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman, mm-hmm. Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen. Uh like I love the um, the introduction of Batman that uh, we get yeah. <laughs> uh, in the church. It's that really, is a those are pretty nice. great. Uh, I love how this book so, handles Batman overall. Actually, yeah, Derwin Cook really understands Batman. I I have yet to read his um, his Batman story Ego. There is a trade that mm. has like a, a bunch of different stories that he did, um, and Ego's the most famous uh, and. I want to read it because everyone says it's great. Uh, Matt Reeves recently mentioned it was an inspiration for his Batman movie, which makes me oh, very okay. excited. All right, I need so to keep an I, eye out for it. Maybe, maybe I'll yeah. Maybe in the break or whatever, I'll see if that's on DC Universe. Uh, it might be. It actually, I want to say it is, but I, I'm don't hold me to that. We'll find out later. <laughs> I, I don't. Um, I don't want to get into a Batman rabbit hole, but I do love how this book, and to a degree, the movie marries the 
the overall dark brooding persona of the character that most fans seem to latch on to, but also keeps in with the whole Silver Age persona of the character. And that really comes to a head where we are introduced to Robin and he's Batman's got a whole uh, more dad demeanor to him. And then once yeah. Robin's out of the room, Superman's like, oh, new outfit, new sidekick. You mind if I... As a matter of fact, I do. Let's just say I got into crime fighting to scare criminals, not children. Like, that's that's probably the best way to handle it. Yeah. Like that's, cause, that's my, cause, that's my I love favorite that's like... interpretation of Batman, because like, as, as much as people want to... Like, I'm sure Matt Reeves is doing something really good with the the Batman movie, and we mm-hmm. seem to like darker Batman. Uh, I don't know. I... I have a big soft spot for the Brave and the Bold Batman, where Batman is still Batman, yes. but the show acknowledges that he that Batman still exists in a comic book world, even though he's his seri- mm-hmm. serious, sad man self. And that that <laughs> show also has probably the best, one of the better Batman character studies, uh, Chill of the Night. Like, I don't want to get too into it, but basically it's it involves the Spectre and the Phantom Stranger playing a game over Batman's soul, because Batman finds out the whereabouts of Joe Chill and depending on what he does with that information he'll either become, he'll either become an agent of justice or an agent of vengeance and that's all I want to say, because I don't want to spoil too much, because it gets a I will say that there's a really great really great spin on the I'm Batman phrase. Yeah. Uh, there, that is one of my Batman blind spots is the Raven, the bold cartoon. Watch that episode. At uh, least. I've, it's on DC universe Yeah, for eight ninety nine. I, I know it's month? not yeah, sponsored. It's, it's on my shit. list to watch. Um, I, I just, uh, I just did a rewatch of Steven universe mm-hmm. because I was on another podcast talking about that. Right. So, uh, and that won't be out until March, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Um, but now that I'm done and I can go back to watching whatever I want, I'm going. I'm going to go back and continue my first watch of Young Justice, mm. which I am loving. I watched. I I finished the first season. I'm into season two now, and it's pretty great. That, I'm not a big fan of Young Justice, but that also has one of my favorite Batman moments where. After, like, Superman kind of writes off Connor Kent, that makes Batman want to realize that he's kind of been bad about raising his boy, uh, Dick. So mm-hmm. he's like, all right, we're going to do some special training outside, so put put on your sweats. They're like, what? Come on, come outside. And it's a and play of basketball, basketball, but which Batman tries to write off as hand, hand-eye coordination. <laughs> and a coordination which i love yeah um okay i would say my one gripe with young justice is that i mean i love i love that they go with having like the tech savvy robin but it shouldn't be dick grayson it should be tim drake why is no one ever whelmed (laughs) (laughs) everyone's always underwhelmed or overwhelmed why is no one whelmed who is it and then uh was it 
it was Atana who 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 came in and started doing that as well. And you're like, those two are gonna get together. <laughs> those two are, to- and of course they do. In the last episode, when they have the, in the finale, they have the they're they have New Year's Day and they all and everyone makes out. Um, <laughs> and it's great. May Dick and Corey forever. Anyway, um, yeah. Yes. Uh, Enough about back, uh, back us to, talking about teams. Back to teams. Batman. Uh, how how do we feel about the uh, the Batman Superman fight alluded to, or was it a fight? Mm. Well, uh, my interpretation. Well, they they the, as Batman states, like you know, staging. He does say we staged yeah. uh, your defeat. Um, basically to to make Superman out to be more of a of a likable hero and because well the thing I, I'm assuming basically like I'm thinking back to uh, that that era when superheroes almost died like mm-hmm. as an entity in in our world they almost died because of a psychiatrist um, I can't remember his first name, uh, Dr. Wortham. And he published an, I believe it was an, a long essay. Seduction of the Innocence. So, so, yeah, Seduction of the Innocence. And he, uh, he threw a lot of, and he had a lot of clout behind him. So he uh, disparaged Wonder Woman as being a, like, raging lesbian, which was stupid. Uh, he disparaged I mean, Batman right, for being a raging homosexual, uh, which was stupid. Um, but most of his ire was thrown at Superman, and uh, because he felt that uh, kids were not going to respect the real world authorities when you have Superman who is more powerful than the real world authorities, which was, in hindsight, of course, absolutely absurd. This um, fictional drawing is more powerful than government. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's funny. So a lot of this, that I, a lot of the stuff that I know stems from uh, my constant rereading of the Grant Morrison book, Super Gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read it a lot. I've read it multiple times. I've listened to it multiple times. And he mentions uh, during, I think it was in the... Mid mid sixties when Nixon ran for office, uh, Howard the Duck ran for president, <laughs> and uh, and how and Howard the Duck obviously lost. But they mention Morrison mentions oh, that that's, like that's kind of bullshit. If Howard the Duck had won, that would have been the most dangerous thing for uh, for people because you know you can assassinate you know a real person, but how can you assassinate? A cartoon duck you can't do that how are you can disparage a cartoon duck you can't do it it's a cartoon, a cartoon duck you don't have to acknowledge it's a yeah yeah and of course he's a cartoon duck who knows he's a cartoon duck that's the beauty of oh, that is kind of that is kind of nonsense that a cartoon duck couldn't win at least stephen colbert in the in marvel continuity he won the election but was overturned by recount how, how did that go again <laughs> I don't know. I I have not. I I only recently uh, like, and by recently I mean literally last year. Uh, started following 
uh, comics monthly again. Mm-hmm. I hadn't done it for a very long time, and last year I actually started doing it again. Doing it, doing it again. I can't speak. It's okay. I'm sorry. It's Sunday. <laughs> I run a podcast. This you're gonna hear this a lot, uh, listeners. I run a podcast and I can't speak. So there you go. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I've been spending the last few days or so editing uh, my episode where I was on the Film Rescue Show talking about the prequel trilogy because I can't speak there either. I wanted to <laughs> tighten it so it sounds like I can speak. Yeah. I think one of the main main reasons I can speak now is that I turned, like, when recording, I can hear myself, but I, I just, so I just turned my audio down mm. or, like, like how much I can hear myself it helps. It helped a lot. Very good. Because <laughs> I, because I used to be able to. I, would, I used to have to like really slow down and make sure I'm saying what I'm saying, and it sound makes me sound like I'm drunk. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a thing. So, uh, that I finally going, figured it out. Going back a little bit on topic, I'm not sure how I feel about how the book handles Superman. Because at first, when I saw that. You know, Superman joined with the government. It's like, oh, this we're doing this again. We're doing Dark Knight Returns again. And why why mm-hmm. is it that Superman always has to sign up with the government, but Captain America can quit being Captain America whenever he wants and become Nomad whenever he wants? But then it gets to the part in issue five or so where it's like, oh no, we staged the whole thing. Like that's better, but it also feels like it's dropped so casually I don't know, I would have liked something more I, I, I thought it would have been funny like there's a in the most recent uh, DC short Death in the Family which bas- which is kind of a blanket recap of the Under the Red Hood story we, we uh, spoilers for Under the Red Hood for Under the Red Hood and Death in the Family the DC movies but which have been around for a very yeah. long time at this point. But basically, it ends with like uh, Bruce has been narrating the entire events of Under the Red Hood to someone off cam- someone off camera, and at the very end, it's revealed that it was Clark that he's been talking to, just venting his frustrations about not being able to save Jason. And like uh, Clark says that Bruce, the fact that you don't give in to your darkness and you live with it every day shows how strong you are but the moment you stop meeting with me every once in a while to talk about these things that's when i know that i have to activate my contingency to defeat you which is just like <laughs> that was just re- a really nice to hear after such blanket worship over batman's feet i it's nice to like that in a batman property that line was in there to kind of take Bruce down a peg like I would have liked something for that in the book in New Frontier I would have liked if if Superman casually dropped oh yeah this is some serious stuff that's why Diana and I staged the fight you and I had so that you would win and then Bruce would be like you staged that? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really funny yeah, yeah. also I love I, I love the way Wonder Woman is written in this book, mm-hmm. I I love it. I I because like that to me this is this is Wonder Woman is that she has core beliefs she has and she takes a stand for what she believes she does not budge and 
when she gets pushed aside by the government, she's like, you know what? I'm just going to leave because apparently you don't want to actually, you know, make the world a better place. So exactly. I'm just going to leave. And I love that. I lo- and I love, uh, I love her line of there's the door space, man. <laughs> Yeah, that that characterization yeah, that's kind of how she is in the uh superman red sun movie it's like which it's like, I, i'm here to I i'm here to help it, but if it. you prove yourself unwilling to show you that you actually want to help the world i'm gonna leave that's basically what you said yeah on dc universe well, right now. sometimes wow listener take I a shot listener, take a shot every stuff. time we plug for DC Universe. <laughs> In this episode specifically? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. I, I can already tell that uh, I have I have a future episode talking up that where I'm gonna talk about a particular Batman comic, and I know for a fact you have to be on that episode because I know that Batman comic is right up your alley. We'll oh, talk like... about it after recording. Oh, okay. So we'll talk about it after uh... we reco- after we're done recording. Uh, okay, so where do we jump back in? We're 26 minutes into the recording. <laughs> we yeah, talked that, Batman, we, supposed... we talked Superman, we talked Wonder Woman. We talked Wonder Woman. Uh, should we talk... Do we want to talk Hal Jordan? Oh yeah, let's talk Hal Jordan. Because like, even though it is, is, the movie is kind of watered down, the, mo- the movie did sell me both on... Uh, John Jones and Hal Jordan, and that's part of the reason why I would actually show the movie to kids and the like to get them more interested in the book because the movie is interesting enough to entice you, but there's stuff that people in the know know that there's missing, mm-hmm. and hopefully that'll hook them in to actually get into more meteor stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, and, and I think that's being, perfect because that's like the whole point of the show is to like get people to read comic or get, like help people who want to read comics, you know, give them a place to start. This is a great place to start for like just the DC universe. Yeah, like at the moment, uh, the moment of truth for Hal is when he decides he's going to show America he's not a coward by going to face off the Keith David monster at the center of the earth. And, like, there's a whole big thing about how he says that maybe I didn't shoot anyone in Korea because I didn't think that what America wanted was worth killing anybody over there. That's the most... That's all the politic political stuff you'll get from the movie version. Like, everything else is kind of cut out, and it's basically a generic... Uh, oh, no, you when he gets the ring he's like oh Abinster is like oh no you you deserve it you value all life and it's much more watered down than the whole uh in the book where Abinster is like courage has many forms Hal Jordan for example courage of mm-hmm. conviction like holding on to what you believe despite your country and the world telling you no like the book, like the book is much more nuanced that way. Yes, I would, I would wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Uh, so, let's talk a little bit about 
Hal Jordan's introduction. Mm-hmm. And I, and well, and I'm actually let's talk about like well, basically like his introduction when he's a child, and then also when we jump to him as an adult in the Korean War. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we because the first time we meet Hal Jordan is that he shows up at this bar where Chuck Yeager <laughs> uh, drinks. And he shows up talking about how his father was uh, a man by the name of... Well, we don't know that it's Hal Jordan. We just know it's this little kid who wants to talk to Chuck Yeager. And he mentions to Chuck... And he finds him and he tells him, you know, my dad flew with you. And he says, yeah, I, yeah, I know I know who you're talking about. Uh, his name is Martin. We called him Martini. And, uh, and like, he brings out this... Um, uh, how young Hal brings out this uh, airplane that he that he built, this little airplane that he built, and he asks him, asks Chuck Yeager to sign it, and he says, uh, "Yeah, just make it out to Hal, Hal Jordan." <laughs> and of course, that's like that's mostly for for like DC fans going like, "Holy crap!" There, it's it's Little Green Lantern. <laughs> uh, and then we jump forward in time to the Korean War and the Korean War to the Korean War. Yeah, and uh, we have very little dialogue. Mostly, all the uh, everything that you're reading is a report given by uh, Lois Lane. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Lois Lane, is it? Oh no, that's in the movie. The report in the comic is by Ace. Uh, I always Ace forget his last name. Unknown Challenger. Uh, yes, Kyle Ace Morgan. <laughs> Ace Morgan, Ace that's Morgan. right. Yeah. Who and he calls him he calls him Pappy. <laughs> that's right. He does. But uh yeah, and just talking about um how the war had been over for two for about two hours, but there were some Korean sol- uh, North Korean soldiers who did not know or just didn't care. Didn't you get the memo? And they opened fire on on both Ace and Hal. And Hal being a a pacifist does not sh- he doesn't shoot he just outmaneuvers them but he's not quick enough he gets shot down and he ejects gets knocked out after he ejects so he can't pull his uh his parachute and then ace ejects himself and aims to aims for hal misses and then has to redirect himself aims for him again and finally pulls his shoot yeah that's an- and then that's another thing I do appreciate about the book. They do explain uh, Ace's narration does kind of help cover over how someone who has never shot anyone in war would not be court-martialed. He's <laughs> trying to explain <laughs> Hal's backstory as someone who has only seen the movie, and people question, like, wait, how can he be a soldier if he never shot anybody? Like, the book explains he's, really good. he's that good at flying. Yeah. And he just also surrounds himself by people who are willing to shoot, like Ace. But, uh, so then we, and then after we cut to, um, we cut to Lois and Jimmy, they're supposed to be getting out of, uh, out of Korea. Uh, they board a helicopter, and then we cut back to Hal, and he is, uh, he's hung up in a tree above a Korean soldier in a trench who is asleep. And then he falls out of the tree. They goomba stomp. Hits, hits the soldier. 
yeah, just stomps him. And then they both wake up. They're kind of dazed. Um, and they start to fight. And Hal is trying to figure out, he's trying to recall the words for, uh, in Korean to try and tell them, tell him that the war is over Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they can stop fighting, but he can't find the words. And, and Hal has pulled, uh, he's gotten the soldier's gun away from him. And in the struggle, he shoots him in the face, kills him. I found out what I would kill uh, for. I would kill to survive. That's what he says later. Hal. Yeah. And that's because that's what he learned. But we have that incredible moment uh, after the helicopter that Lois and Jimmy were in got radioed saying that there was someone who needed to be uh, a soldier who needed to be Mm -hmm. uh, evacuated out. They pick up Hal and they literally like Jimmy like drags him out of the trench. Like, so what was that scuffle like? On the chopper. He just repeats the war is over in Korean. Oh yeah, Lois is like, so soldier, like, what is it like to be, uh, to, to survive certain death? And he, in Korean, he's, he's speaking Korean. Lois says, what does that mean? And the, the pilot says, he's saying it's over. Make war no more. <sighs> yeah. Fuck. And then, doesn't he just go on like a death spiral afterwards where he just picks the most dangerous jobs because he wants he wants to die because he can't he, wa- he wants to he wants to be punished and uh take some notes mark millar uh you don't have to put your <laughs> uh, put your you know uh person in a gimp suit with spikes on the inside just to have them punish themselves i don't like uh speedball Oh, poor Speedball. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't deserve that. Fucking no, no, no. Lord. It's penance. Penance. Fuck. God. He's in. He's in Marvel Ultimate Alliance two under that name. Oh God, I hate it. Look, I, I, I generally like Mark Millar stuff, but Civil War is one of his comics that I really don't like. I like Millar's stuff when it's adapted by Matthew Vaughn. Yeah, like Kick-Ass, not a very good comic, but a very good movie. We were robbed um, Matthew Vaughn's Civil War. Oh, man. that that Honestly, that would have made it a lot better because you know for a fact that Penance would not be in it. Yeah, this is... It would not have happened. Yeah, this is a, this is, yeah, this is a, a little controversial. I'm not a big fan of the Civil War movie either. I don't think it's very good. Hey, I'm with you. Uh, I think, uh, as Scott Thomas put on the Infinity Podcast, it's a, an incredible piece of brand synergy. Yeah, the but as a but as a movie, it's not very good. The late the late period MCU movies are very good technical achievements. You know, like an amusement park ride. But, but... yeah, well, even even on that level, they're kind of like the the fact that they get. The fact that they get the machine to run so well and so oiled up is impressive. But when I when I compare yeah. it to like the old Spider-Man movies and how well they work as both like technical achievements and character pieces, I find the character stuff wanting. Unlike in yeah. this book, like with Martian <laughs> Manhunter. Let's talk about him for a bit. Let's talk about Jean Jones. Jean Jones, who is a Martian, he is accidentally 
uh, teleported from Mars to and Earth like by a comics. scientist. Yep. And just like and, in the comics, uh, the doctor who brought them here was like, oh, I didn't expect this. That I didn't expect this to happen. Oh, my heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I really like. But also, you know, he is honestly like Jean in his Martian form. If you're not accustomed to it, is and you're just it's a surprise it's terrifying yeah he's very ragged yeah i i actually like uh skipping far ahead but um there's the moment when uh the rock the uh the the mission that like rick flag and like the task force s is going on to basically bomb mars and jean decides he wants to get onto the he's going to latch onto the rocket so he can get home mm-hmm and then King Farad- uh, Faraday shows up, and like I love the way that it, the the art is done in this scene, in this moment of the scene, where it's no longer c- like classic pencil and ink. It's like I don't even know. I I guess like charcoal almost. Hmm. You remember what I'm? You remember what, what scene I'm talking about? Yeah, not the scene. I'm just trying to picture it in my head. Yeah, it has like this charcoal, like um, like kind of a charcoal look. Yeah, I I just love that. But um, so after Jean lands and and he accidentally uh causes the death of this scientist, uh he takes his form, takes his wallet, uh because of course he's not gonna be needing it anymore, and goes to the scientist's apartment, and he starts watching television <laughs> and through television he learns human customs he learns a lot about the world watching news the news and also watching cartoons he loves cartoons he's and le- he also really yeah and he also learning. loves like <laughs> <laughs> yep and uh yeah so after after all that then he, I, love how he, I do love how he morphs into Bugs Bunny that was pretty great and then after so then after watching all that he also starts to watch like detective movies and he thinks well you know these you know like these detectives these police detectives seem like they you know they're on like they're righteous people and that's what I want to be so I'm going to embody a police detective and I'm just gonna like and he just inserts himself into the Gotham PD <laughs> which is great and then uh, I mentioned earlier about Batman's introduction in this book we get the introduction so we get set up the setup for it is a uh, his this private detective uh, is looking he's been on the trail of this missing kid mm-hmm. this like I forget. It's like a like a rich person's kid. Yeah, like it's not I in the exactly like like it's not in the book. It's in the movie. But I do love how in the movie John's partner is like, you know, Jones. I think I finally figured out how you're how you're you've risen up in the ranks so easily with the what with the punches that always seem to pay off and your ability to nail perps with little to no hard evidence. I figured out your secret. You're dating a fortune teller. <laughs> yeah that was that was a great line that I, I, I do wish that was in the book because that was a really good line 
Yeah, like, well, Stamper like Quartz get, is a good writer. Yeah, when we get to uh, John's decision to leave Earth, I'll get into another scene that was in the movie, but not the book. But yeah, uh, introduction to Batman when beating up the and the cultists, beating up the cult members, which uh, as as the as the private detectives uh, is retelling to telling the the bartender, uh, he looked like a demon. Mm-hmm. And but he was a demon, and he's like, doesn't he's like I don't care that he was you know wearing some weird looking bat costume. The guy, the guy could move. Didn't matter if he had silly purple gloves. He was scary. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be completely honest, if I saw, if I was in the 1950s and I saw the way the Batman used to look, I'd be terrified. (laughs) But this sets up this this whole section sets up that line later of when Batman tells Superman, I put on this costume to scare criminals not children there's a great there's a little moment where after they've you know basically like quote unquote won the day mm-hmm. uh batman goes to untie the kid get the kid off of the altar and he takes the tape off of his mouth and he just screams yeah because batman looks scary mm-hmm. especially to like you know a six seven year old kid yep yeah, I, I I love I love that they had that little setup and with 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 the payoff later between in that conversation between Bruce and Clark. Yeah, it's one of my favorite Batman moments, honestly. Yep, and then from that point on, uh, Jean then become he in in within the police precinct he becomes known as just like he's the, the weird guy. guy. Like whenever weird shit happens. You go to John. You go to Detective Jones. And he's like all about, you know, cult, you know, cult sightings and UFO sightings and all this, all the weird shit. Mm hmm. There's always one. There's always one guy in the precinct who's like that. And then later on, when Batman finds his way into john's apartment john john's like how did you that's my secret (laughs) yeah or oh the really great line of uh my instincts tell me to trust you but make no mistake i have a seven thousand dollar piece of meteorite to handle the one in metropolis with you all i need is a penny to buy for matches for matches that's a great batman moment (laughs) Cause like I, cause we we talk about our favorite versions of Batman. I love all versions of Batman, no matter what, except for the versions of Batman where he's like, you know, a fascist. <sighs> cause I am okay. Look, I'm of the opinion that the Dark Knight Returns. He's not completely a fascist. Hot take. I don't think he's a fascist in that book. Uh, I think he's like a neoliberal weirdo. Um, I mean, there's that great moment in the in the anim- in the animated adaptation where we have Peter Weller, RoboCop himself, voicing Batman, and he says the line, "I, I am, am the, the law." law. <laughs> Tonight, I am the law. It would have been a lot better if it was Carl Urban. 
I thought you were going to say Michael Cause Ironside because the... that's who old Batman used to be in that one segment of the animated series. Really? Yeah, in the Tales of the Dark Knight episode of Batman the Animated Series, when they get to the Dark Knight Returns bit, it's Michael Ironside voicing old Batman. Huh, I haven't watched that episode in a very long time. Yeah. I did not know that. I thought it was just Kevin Conroy doing an older Bruce voice. Nope. Because I remember, like, because, like, I know, you know, he was still old Bruce Wayne in uh, in Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. Which is great. How great is it if that they... If you haven't watched... How great is it that they got Michael Ironside back to do Dark Side for the Harley Quinn show? <sighs> so good. Yeah, when I first I saw that, when I first saw that episode, I was like, wow, they got a really good Michael Ironside impersonator. Who did they get? And then I say it's actually Michael Michael Ironside. Ironside. Honestly, okay, look, the Harley okay, Harley Quinn is a very good show and they got some top-notch casting in that show. Mm-hmm. Like they had Wayne Knight as the penguin. <laughs> it's really good. And Alfred Molina as Mr. Freeze. <laughs> and Alan Tudyk as like multiple as multiple characters, but mostly as uh as the Joker at least in the in the first season. Yeah, but who... And I love that they brought back uh, Dietrich Bader as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good choice. From Brave and the Bold. But you know and who actually... wasn't in, who wasn't in the Harley Quinn show or hasn't been yet? Ace Morgan. Let's talk about him a little. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we follow Ace a little bit. So like, This may be due to the fact that as Teen Titans go to the movies pointed out, the challenges of the unknown are very, very obscure. So I wasn't real. I kind of yeah. They're the mostly book, like when, whenever I read the book and it went back to the challenges of the unknown, I was like, Can "We go back to the people I do know about, though." <laughs> yeah, because um, the challengers really didn't become very. I- I'm actually trying to remember now if they were a Jack Kirby creation. Because uh, I mean, he did. Either he created them, or uh, he, um, or he just wrote, had a run on the series. Let me see. Yeah, I thought we were gonna get more explanation on the whole, like when they when they first introduce the guy who speaks in rhymes or whatever, the redhead is like, we all should have died today. What we gotta investigate this? I thought that we were gonna spend more time on that, but we didn't really. They just seemed to be dudes who have super strength and work for the government while not being pursued by the government it just it just cluttered everything for me i didn't understand what they were doing at least with uh, rick flag and the suicide squad they do have the scene where uh rick is standing in front of a field of graves and they, uh, the doctor said that he had nothing left to live for and then higher ups realized that People who have nothing left to live for would make great candidate candidates for missions with a low chance of survival. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the challenge of the unknown, they were they were a Jack Kirby creation uh, when he went to DC. They and, predate uh, they are... the Fantastic Four, don't they? Yes, they do. Okay, that's fine. Uh, they they were they debuted in 1957, uh, and he reworked the concept with Stan Lee to create the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. 
because he he created them with his with his original writing partner Joe Simon, who uh, he created Captain America with. Right. Yeah. So yeah, this was this was a Jack Kirby thing, uh, and Kirby, like Kirby's fingerprints are all over this book. Uh, the a lot of the the blocky uh, style that that's in this book is inspired by Jack Kirby. Like I would say his I would say yeah, it's very Don retro Cook's, like, art style. It's kind of I would say like that if if we were gonna say like how he has two influence, like it's a combination of Jack Kirby and Bruce Tim. Mm-hmm. Good combo. Yeah. I, I would agree because Bruce Tim is a was a he's a great artist still to this day. Yeah, with a weird fixation on Bruce and Barbara though. Yeah. I don't get I it. Mean... <laughs> I don't understand why that's a thing. Yeah. Well, I, did did he have anything to do with the Killing Joke movie? Uh, I'm not it's talking about the Killing Joke. Awful. I'm not talking about the Killing Joke. I'm talking about Mystery of the Batwoman, where there's a scene where yeah. Bruce and Tim are in a limousine, and Barbara's talking. Barbara's on the phone, and it gets handed to Bruce. It's like, you know, I haven't seen you since so and so. And Batman pulls out a piece of paper. He's like, Barbara, we're going under a tunnel. <laughs> Yep, I remember that. that. It is a little weird. It is weird because he's because it's like, remember in year one when he saved her, uh, her older brother when she wasn't even born yet. Uh, yeah, remember it's that? It's been a while since I read year one, but yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, like like the like the climax at the end is uh, the the mob steals uh young Jim young James Gordon right, and Bruce. Bruce, who like has to cover his face, or actually he didn't cover his face, he just starts. He like takes a motorcycle and drives, and he is able to catch J- James as he falls from a bridge. And the only reason Jim doesn't know that it's Bruce, he doesn't have the is because on. he's not wearing his glasses and he's completely blind. Yeah, like a bat. Like a bat. God <laughs> damn it! Fucking god. All right. Uh, fuck. all right uh, before we get out of this rabbit hole, let me do a little rewriting. So, End of Dark Knight, Dark Knight movie plays up the whole same, except the one person that Harvey has the gun towards is um, Jim's daughter. And then, save the day, save the day, fast forward to Dark Knight Returns, we fast forward, instead of getting John Robin Blake, we get Jim's daughter, who has grown up to be Barbara, played by Ellen Page. Would that be better I'm or worse? So down for it. Yeah. So down for it. Yeah, because the because okay. I like, saw you walking. No, I, no, I, we gotta get. I saw you walking to the orphanage one day, and I just knew it. <laughs> look, I'm a. So I am. Uh, look, I'm not the biggest Nolan fan. But I do like his Batman movies. Like, I even have, like, a deep... No, I wouldn't say a deep love, but I have a deep appreciation for The Dark Knight Rises uh, for what and with all that he was going for. Um, I I understand a lot of the criticism that, it's a ver- that they say it's a very conservative film. Um, I don't agree with it, 
because that would insinuate that Bane is the main villain, but he is not the main villain. Talia is. Uh, so then I feel like that kind of makes all the conservative uh, like criticism kind of moot. Well, that or or uh, Chris Nolan and or David Goyer wrote themselves into a corner and they decided, oh, I don't want to get political. I don't want people to be mad. And they just threw in the daughter. Yeah, <laughs> there's that too. Because Nolan does say that he's like, I he's like i don't make my films to be political i just write them how i think they should be didn't stop him from wanting people to risk life and limb to go see tenant in theaters still haven't seen it and i won't see it until there's a blu-ray release so fuck you chris nolan uh who also who also risked life and limb uh rick flag once everything starts going wrong in the mission to mars Oh yeah, God. Because it turns out, uh, hiring suicidal people does not work all the time, and sometimes they will crash the ship. Yeah. Well, the thing is, so I don't know if everyone reads it this way, but I read it. So if we go back to the scene where the Suicide Squad and the Challengers go to the dinosaur island, there is that scene where. who was the young member of the ta- of Task Force S- X? What's his name? Je- Jesse? Is that, that right? right? Hang on. I got it on my phone. Um, I got it on my phone. Anyway, so that character, there is a moment where he, on the island, like, he, like, he starts talking like, like everyone who has who has been like encountered by the center like he starts talking about like oh we're all ants and we're all you know and and you know we all have to surrender to the center and it's at that moment that you realize oh he's being manipulated yeah by keith david and yeah it's just keith david it seems that jess bright couldn't take it up there and he cracked yeah jess bright yeah see i don't think that's i i think that's what they think but I think, but my read of it is that he's actually that like he's been manipulated this whole time since the incident on the dinosaur island. That or the and depression he's been, makes him more susceptible to the Keith David Center. Yes, because it was right around. It was at that in that same scene where he saw his best friend die. Yeah. Um. So he. So of course he instantly has you know he's instantly you know feeling you know all kinds of depression after seeing your best friend die Mm -hmm. and uh and that makes him extremely susceptible to the center Mm -hmm. as we keep mentioning uh played by keith david in the movie you know keith david the greatest actor of all time (laughs) he's got voodoo and i stand by it yeah also in the book uh uh, Hal was supposed to be on the flight to Mars, but he was shown to be too reckless, so Flag kicked him out. Uh, in the movie, he does mm-hmm. go up there because movie and expediency of plot. And Hal Jordan is a known quantity, so we have to have him in the movie as much as possible. Yeah, which, which I makes don't, sense. I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. Although I think when I'm more, I mean, I, I would just say. As you as you say that like how Jordan he is a known commodity so we got to put him as in as much of it as possible. Why is there a dog barking outside? <laughs> I don't know how to feel about Rick Flag's resolution where he's like, 
I know I was hard on you, Jordan, but it's only because I knew your dad. It's because I love you, son. <laughs> it's only because I knew your dad, and my you, your dad and I, we were friends with Ace and Faraday, and we were all the fighting good ones in the World War Two. Yeah, yeah. I don't. That seems a little easy. I don't know, but then how else could we? How else would we have had the my the studio the school resolution with Rick Flag Jr. talking about how his dad was a hero. Yeah, I I I still find that kind of weird. Yeah, because he does say that like his son doesn't really even know who he is, and yet we get that we get that one panel where. Rick Flagg Jr. is reading an uh, a, a you know uh like an like a little essay that he wrote for for class about his dad mm-hmm. as an American hero and it's like, like what else could we have swapped that out for? I'm not totally sure. Hang on, I'll I'll find some. Cause... I mean, we 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 let's see. I'm trying to think of the panels like... we had because we had the panel with the we had the splash page with Superman and, and Martian Manhunter on the cliff side. We had Wonder Woman reading to kids, which was great. It's one of my favorites. Um, we had the young teen. We had the Teen Titans, like like the, like what would become the Teen Titans, like Black Canary and Robin and Speedy and Kid Flash. Like what? And, what was the? Because this is a problem with both the. It's not a problem, but I think it's just an ease of plot that mm-hmm. they didn't. They decided to not go with. Wouldn't. It'd have made sense if Hal was up in the ship and like it started malfunctioning and starting to blow up and Superman could not get there in time. But who would save Hal at least but Avensor? Because Avensor just happens to crash off screen on planet Earth. Like it's yeah. a bit of which it, it feels very and then to me, which I don't care for. But that's also just a part of the lore. That's yeah. what always happened. That's what happened in the original. Like, and every time the Green Lantern origin is told, that's how it's told. Like it's told here. It's told in the original. Um, this, the original story, done by um, was it Gardner Fox? I think it's Gardner Fox who wrote that story, mm-hmm. and um. Or no, not not Gunner Fox. It was it was a uh, John Broom. Uh, you know what you John Broom wrote that story. You know what you could have replaced. And, sorry, I'm looking at the panel. You know what you could have replaced Rick Flag Jr. with um, Bruce, a uh, Batman, holding up the giant circle of paper for Robin to jump through. Circle of oh yeah 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 okay yeah I know what you're talking about yeah that would be great. <laughs> I'd be down for that. Yeah. Or like the first introduction oh. of Joker or something. Yeah, which yeah, cuz we well we got the uh we got there was that panel with the Joker in it already. Oh, true. But yeah, I I do like the I do like having having a uh, Batman holding the ring for Robin. Although, you know, we were already introduced to Robin. We have that panel with you know, the future Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. So, but I do like that. I do like that like having that panel because that is such a great that's such a great cover right. from Batman we're an hour in do where do we go from here <laughs> well I think we've pretty much talked about 
talked about everything that we that I I mean everything I've wanted. Like we didn't we didn't about. bring up Barry about how he about how he goes into the detail from running from Central City to all the way to Nevada. We didn't talk about how there's a whole lot of uh, people assuming that the superheroes are a bunch of commie conformists. Like this, which they yeah, are. Let's like, just face it, like, they are. Uh, a line, <laughs> a line spoken in the movie, but not the comic, is when Flash finally decides to quit. Uh, a lot of the bar patrons are like, "Eh, eh." Good riddance to him. What was with that red suit yeah. anyway? Reds for commies. And it's like uh, Superman. What the hell? And also Flash quitting because of the murder of John Henry Wilson, which we did not touch on. Uh, no, he didn't. Or the Flash did. Wait. No, no, no. no. Barry's I'm... like, I spent most of my life, my time as a hero trying to help people, just like how John Wilson tried to help people. But then... No, 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 no. He, uh, no, he, he, he's quitting because his, because the government is attacking him. Hang on. Well, I know John will, I'm pretty sure. Because it's after the scene where, uh, where Faraday tries to kidnap the Flash, but fails. So then he goes on national television saying that, you know, I became a hero because I felt that I could do good, but I feel unwanted because my own government is trying to kidnap me and and you know poke and prod me and do all sorts of weird experiments on me and i don't want that to happen so i'm done uh, you know what i confused the movie with the comic again because in the movie barry hops in right after the news bulletin about john wilson's death by the hands of the clan oh so that's my yeah bad. which that that whole thread throughout the book is that because I I love the I love the thread throughout the story of of having the the fact that America is built on colonialism and mm-hmm. racism and prejudice, yeah. and it continues and continues to this day. Uh, it arguably it's in the book with the revisionist history question mark of Ted Grant beating up. Uh, the would-be Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali. Yeah, when he was still Cassius Clay. Yeah. That's, uh... That was That's... that was interesting. <laughs> and actually, for some reason, it didn't click for me the first... The first time I read it, it didn't click for me that that was, Bla- that that was Black Cat. I don't know Wild why. Wildcat? Because, like, by... Wildcat, yeah. yeah. Black Cat's a different Cat, character. Yeah. Completely different character... Uh, I do like, I do like having like Selena there is like basically his girlfriend. Yeah. I do like that. Uh, I, oh, actually I wish we had more Black Canary. Oh yeah. Apparently there's like a one shot or something where, um, it's Black Canary. Yeah. Which I, which I have, it's, um, there, uh, if you buy the trade there and so DC now, They've unfortunately dissolved Vertigo, which sucks because yeah. Vertigo is great. Um, but they now have Black Label. Black Label is basically the new Vertigo. 
Um, where you... DC's The Three Jokers out now. No. No, Strange Adventures, sir. By Tom King. Three, three Jokers was the thing I saw being advertised at my one of my local comic stores. It was printed on me by Black no. Label. Uh, God, look, I... I'm gonna say I'm just gonna make a I'm gonna make a sweeping statement right now. This podcast, I I have a feeling there is maybe. No, there's never gonna be a, a moment where we're where I'm gonna discuss a Jeff Johns comic. Aww. I'm not discussing Jeff Johns on this podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I'm just not. The, a, I'm not a. F- all the Green Lantern Rebirth stands are weeping in the corner, <laughs> including me. I don't. Pretend is doing a much better job (laughs) (laughs) so i hear Uh, i really love the yeah i i really love the characterization i I mentioned this before but uh the movie of this and also the book of this also really sold me on how jordan as a character and not a slab of meat that just wins the day because he wills it good Mm mm-hmm yeah, that he actually like is actively every day working to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Like all the best superheroes. Like Superman is every day working to be the best version of himself he can be. Batman, every day working to be the best version of himself he can be. Uh, the scene he at the end uh, where where Superman just claps his hands real loud and makes his eyes glow red to get the army and the heroes to like to start working together. Yeah, uh, I, I can't remember who it was recently. I think it, actually it was, uh, I just mentioned him, Evan Shaner on Twitter. There was a a tweet going around that a lot of people were um, retweeting was, um, what is a controversial, because uh, it, it was like, there was that, there was that photo from Tangled where uh, Flynn Rider is like at sword point from like a million swords in the bar, in the tavern. And, uh, the the tweet was what is a controversial comic book take you have that gets this reaction and evan shaner's what said um we should we we need to stop having panels where superman's eyes glow red yeah. and that's him being angry it's like we need to stop doing yeah, he and that evil. literally got him like instant death threats on twitter like the red eyes make superman look evil let's be honest yeah, like, let's, let's I, I love it. Angry Superman, but it is a little overkill. Yeah, now and also granted, this book did come out when two thousand four, uh, two thousand and two thousand four. So yeah, I mean, we're looking at this through hindsight. So you know, I I, I would say like we should stop doing. We should definitely stop doing it now. Honestly, yeah. But you know this was 2004, so yeah. I mean, ooh, when you can, ooh, when Wonder Woman comes back from her fight in the center, and you could just see the blood on the whole. Oh my of the god! I, plane. Yeah, I forgot. I want to talk about this. The the invisible jet with blood, just like <laughs> in midair. It looks like it's in midair. It's p- perfect. <laughs> and I do love, and I do love. At we we you mentioned it when Superman claps his hands and wants the army to work together. He says, "Let like, you know." My best friend is in there fighting for her life. 
she would give her life for this nation for this and country. she might have already had yeah and she might and she might you know like fuck on the scene the narration where in the final battle Jimmy Olsen thinks that he's gonna get eaten alive but all he can think about is trying to get the perfect shot for the paper because that's what yeah because it's like when you, when you work with Miss Lane all the time when you work with Miss Lane you don't you don't think about those things and then he thinks about then uh, Wonder Woman pops up and he's like all I'm thinking about right now is how much I love her Aww. and that just makes me sad because we ne- we'll, we'll never get the comic where Jimmy Olsen and Diana Prince just start dating yeah because let's face it they'd be a cute couple eh, probably Jimmy Olsen would be a wife dude yeah. he'd be a he would be a wife dude <laughs> he'd be just like look at her look at her also Ray Palmer kind of feels like a deus I, I, I don't I don't like using this term but he literally is only ever mentioned at the in the last issue as a solution to deal with the center like at least in yeah, the i think he's like his, his the the um the magazine that he's in uh is is shown throughout the mm. book it kind of like hinting at like he's he's there um i want to say don't hold me to it but i want to say there is one point where one of the television broadcasts like has him uh. speaking on uh on his uh, on his chosen scientific field i like how th- I, i'm probably wrong but i feel like that happened i like how the movie handled it where they invented a scene where instead of uh john jones giving all his findings to jim gordon and say give these to batman he uh john locates the Batcave on his own and while he's doing that bruce is looking at a microscope for all the hints on the center he can get and like under one on one of his files he sees dinosaur island on one of his lenses he sees the the losers epitaph here lies the losers the brave men and women blah 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 and in one of the mm-hmm. one of the microscope slots he sees an article for ray palmer which i thought was nice and also that scene is also yeah, really it, good because John talks about how well I've had enough of this planet I'm leaving to go back home to my planet and Bruce just solemnly says well some people don't have that luxury <laughs> just yeah. drop all the bad stuff going on and hightail it somewhere else like that's one instance of yeah. Bruce having the moral high ground over someone that I'm okay with. Yeah, because because yeah, I, I you're you're bringing up a lot of scenes that I that I had totally forgotten from the movie <laughs> that do, that do make the movie pretty strong because I would I would say that the movie is strongest when it isn't directly pulling from the uh from 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 the yeah. comic like scene for scene the movie when it directly actually, like, pulls the we're all together here this day no democrats no republicans no hawks no doves when it's not a other than that it's not a very political movie so pulling that line in it just really feels watered weird. down yeah i mean because you have john henry irons in the comic and that is that's a statement yeah i'm 
all of I will give the movie this time. though, despite the little runtime it did have, the fact that it was able to put in so much was impressive. Like if they just yes. if the movie had like had an extra hour of time and it kept in all the Hal Jordans all the Hal Jordan political stuff, all the Martian Manhunter political stuff. And then added in some story beats for Barry, because those are the three big Silver Age heroes. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the movie would be a lot more highly regarded and not just, hey, this is a good stepping stone into reading the comic. Because yeah. we yeah. didn't even mention how, whether by accident or by design, the fact that this movie is set around... Up, uh, movie how this book does take place mainly in the 50s and a point where comics were kind of on their way out. Yeah. Yeah, because... Um, and then it was actually the... the You know, the introduction of The Flash and, and Green Lantern really kind of revitalized, uh, you know, interest in comic books. Mm-hmm. Because they had to... Because comic books had to uh, really adhere to the comic was it comic the comics authority. authority code yeah. yeah really cool stamp really dumb things that happened <laughs> thanks Wortham fucking toad thanks for nothing <laughs> well um I actually so we still haven't talked that much about Barry Allen so I think we'll, oh, yeah, we'll he... close this out talking about Barry Allen mm-hmm. Uh, so like you mentioned, uh, he never mess with my uh, iris. We, yeah, never mess with his iris. Um, we do get that great. We get the great scene. Um, we mentioned there was the Ted Grant Cassius Clay fight. After that fight, you know, Iris is covering is covering this for uh for her news for. I, I, okay, I, I'm law because she usually is. She's a, a uh, she's a news person. She's covering it for news. Yeah, I I, I was because I, I was like I could I can't I couldn't tell if that they changed her to a journalist in this or if she's still like or she, like like a like a newspaper journalist or she's you know like like a news reporter journalist. All the good hero love interests are journalists. That's how they keep stay relevant. Yep, always. Yeah. That's why, it's why uh, Mary Jane should be like a YouTube blogger or some something like that from modern stop day. It. Stop. Oh, like Mary okay, Jane as say that. Mary Jane doing like makeup tutorials on YouTube. How has not that been done yet? Uh, doing like well, superhero you, makeup. You say that. Um, J. Jonah Jameson has a podcast. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I played Spider Man PS4. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the. I'm talking about in the comics right now. He has a podcast. Ah. But did yeah, they get they, yeah. that from Spider-Man? Uh, Nick Spencer is currently oh. writing Spider-Man. Like, well, because like Jake Jonah Jameson knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, and so now he's like Spider-Man's biggest advocate. Um, Finally, and he uh, he has a podcast, and Spider-Man comes on to it for the first episode, and they get into arguments about stuff, and then eventually they. Uh, and then I love there was actually a moment in in that in that particular issue where uh, it's like it's one page with multiple uh, speech bubbles horizontal panel oh. or uh, yeah horizontal panel panels and he uh, Spider Man is narrating and he's just saying we 
we argue, we laugh, we cry, we argue again. <laughs> anyway, Barry. But uh, this isn't about this. This is not about Spider Man. This is about Barry Allen. So Captain Cold makes a tissy. Is like I I I went to Nevada to get away from Central City and you, Flash. Yeah, um, I I read this somewhere. I don't remember where, but I do believe uh, that this Captain Cold is based on Grant Morrison. Like his mm. look is based on Grant Morrison. I I forget where I read that, but I know that that is that is true. That Darwin Cook based his Captain Cold on Grant Morrison, <laughs> which makes me happy because I'm always happy to see Grant Morrison mm-hmm. in comics. And then... Like, actually, in yeah. comics. And then after that, we see Barry go up against Gorilla Grodd, but it's not Gorilla Grodd, it's Faraday. Grodd, it's kind of it's, pull a hoodwink. Yeah. And then we get the scene where he interrupts uh, Walter Cronkite on the news. As we mentioned, you know, he tells the world that he is... Or he tells America that he's going to stop. He's going to retire. Um, and then later we get... He gives off uh, good night and good luck. Yeah. I love that. Also, uh, and, um, did you know in the movie he's voiced by Neil, Barry is Neil Patrick Harris? Yes, yeah. I did know that. Neil Patrick Harris, who also voices Nightwing in Under the Red Hood. I thought you were going to say Spider Man in that MTV Spider Man show, which I oh yeah, remember. the really t- the the terrible looking CG one. God, I hated that. We, we, that, that was the MTV one, you? wasn't it? The the really terrible looking CG one. Say again. I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Sorry. Uh, wasn't the MTV Spider-Man? Wasn't that the like the terrible looking CG one? Oh yeah. And it was supposed to tie into the story of the movies. The first Spider-Man Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, because like it actually has like Harry like still friends with Peter, but he hates Spider-Man because Spider-Man killed. He thinks Spider-Man killed his father. Yeah. But little does he know. Dun dun dun. Yeah. But we're not talking. And then stopped. We need to stop talking about Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, Spider Man can wait till later. And, and then and then yeah. we get the big thing where the center threatens to destroy all of America and all the planet. And Barry's like, Iris, there's something I need to tell you. And Iris is like, I she know. Just says, I know. <laughs> Holds out the. And it's like, wait, how do you know? She's like, I'm um, a reporter, Barry. I'm an investigative reporter, and I know you. <laughs> He's just like, I know you as a person. Like, of course you, of course you would be this. She's like, but I'm also a journalist and I figured it out. (laughs) So when Barry, when Barry is running, he's got the, the miniature shrink ray on his back and he's running across, across the center. And he's like, there's only one thing keeping me going. It's my love for Iris. Uh, Is that, is that the beginning of writers taking I don't even know if this is a thing but isn't that the beginning of writers giving like traits that are centric to Wally and giving them to Barry because I thought that um, Wally's love for Linda is what allowed him to do such amazing incredible things that not even the speed force could account for or something I only have the most yeah, second hand of that, stuff. And that, that has to do with Mark Wade having such an incredible run on The Flash in the 90s mm. when Wally West became The Flash. Right. Because, hot take, Wally West is the best Flash. That's not a hot he's take. better than Barry Allen. 
<laughs> I feel like for some it could be a hot take. Uh, but I think Wally West is the best Flash. That's why I love Grant Morrison's JLA because Wally West is flashing that. I'll take John I Stewart's love the Justice the League cartoon. As long as, oh, we're, as long as we're pulling uh, from stuff we grew up on with the Justice League cartoon. Oh yeah, I grew up with John Stewart, but at the same time, I real I have a deep respect for Hal Jordan, so it's hard for me to pick between the uh, two of them. Listener, I could definitely say people. I like Kyle Rat Rayner sometimes, mm. and Guy Gardner sucks. <laughs> People listening to the podcast who have also watched uh, Duck Dodgers when they were younger, how disappointed were you at the end of the Green Lantern episode of Duck Dodgers and you're expecting Duck Dodgers to meet Jon Stewart face-to-face and then some random white guy is there? (laughs) (coughs) You broke me. (laughs) And I think that's that's the cue to wrap it up that pretty much wraps it up we yeah the the story closes out with a um it closes out with, with john f kennedy's new frontier speech over the credits which i actually uh found on youtube and listened to while reading the credits yeah and then and then, but and then the very very end the uh is the uh Lois and Jimmy are on a, on a fishing boat and they're supposedly sp- looking for something and then we find out it's Starro, mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters in DC mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Lois is going, where are they? And Jimmy says, hey, they're here. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, the Justice it's League John minus and Superman and Batman. Batman, yeah. Also, one more thing. And that's the end. Also, one more thing the movie oh. does. They include Batman in the final fight, which I actually do like. It's part, it's uh, Batman milking that I do like because it, it feels wrong that the entire Justice League is not there for the final fight, even though Batman is more so, like a ground-based hero. I was like, he's still part of the yeah. league. Like, let him in there. But, you know, of course, the whole, the whole reason Batman is on the team is because he is that fucking good. Yeah. Like, that's why I love, I, I, there might be an episode in the future on Grant Morrison's run on JLA because I love that comic. Cause my, I think my favorite thing about that comic outside of, uh, you know, his, his characterization of Batman is the fact that every story arc in that run is basically an event. <laughs> because Morrison understood that you know the whole point of the Justice League was that the Justice League is all the heroes coming together uh to face something that not one of them even Superman can face alone so when they get together everything's going to be okay and they're going to win in the end so then of course every single arc is like an event level story I think the last two arcs were called World War Three and Crisis Times Five. <laughs> like he, like like they knew, like, J, like the Justice League has to face world-threatening events all the time in order to be the Justice League. And there came a day, unlike any other, where Earth's mightiest heroes wait a minute. What? No. <laughs> huh? Tune in next episode. <laughs> That also reminds me uh, yeah. of when I briefly watched Young Justice when they got to the Doctor Fate episode. I was watching it with a friend, 
And when Aqua Lab, the first when, one, yeah, the first Doctor Fate episode, and when Aqua Lad referred to Doctor Fate as Earth Sorcerer Supreme, she went into a big fit about how that's Doctor Strange. Like thing. how? <laughs> yeah, like how dare? Okay, and also um, another thing that they did wrong was I love Oded Fair as uh, as Rachel Ghoul in Young Justice. However, Oded Fair it will always be my Doctor Fate. Mm-hmm. He was perfect. Oh. I still, I'm still mad. I'm still mad that in the Solomon Grundy two-parter from the original Justice League, uh, when Oded Fair calls Solomon Grundy a walking dizzy, uh, a walking dead man, we instead didn't. He should have said his line from the Mummy when he says a walking disease. Oh, and there is also the scene where all the magic users are up in space in issue six and talk about how they're not going to interfere with. Yeah, when you have the, what is it the specter the, the specter uh, the phantom dr fate Tim. uh phantom strangers zatanna and billy batson billy bats i love i love zatanna's like you need to stop eating the ice cream so fast yes ma'am because <laughs> <laughs> like billy batson like he's like he has like that he's little blur where he talks speechifying and then all of a sudden it's like but he's still a kid yeah. like he's still like 10 and this it's also classic Billy Batson where it's you know it, it's not new 52 Billy Batson who's kind of a cynical cynical brat who yeah. then le- has to learn to be good it's classic Billy Batson who is just a nice kid mm-hmm. which even though I love the movie Shazam I do prefer classic Billy Batson that outfit shouldn't work but damn if it does <laughs> alright we got we gotta <laughs> recharge before we record again we gotta cut it off now yes Yep. Uh, so this is the end, dear listener. Uh, so before we head out, uh, time for plugs. Nick, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, the only thing I have to plug is my Discord. If you want to talk about more comics or whatever, I'm at I'm Nick Wolf, N I C space W O O L F E, and my code is uh, hashtag zero seven six zero on Discord. Uh, that's basically it for now right now all right uh and you can follow this podcast at comics quest show on twitter and you can follow me on twitter at uh i always forget my own handle on twitter because it's underscores and shit uh but you can but hey uh from the comics quest twitter page you can find me uh so that's easy and uh so the recording of this has been really really weird the scheduling so uh i'm sorry i know but i do know for a fact uh next episode we will be uh reading we were talking the four issue miniseries marvels by kurt buziak and alex ross so stay tuned for that and that's that's the end have a good day. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>